You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Besides the screen you spent most of your time staring at this week, chances are you are also captivated by a big screen video installation. From billboards to scoreboards, we inform and entertain audiences with our big screen solutions. Visit bigscreenvideo.com.au to see how BSV can bring your space to life. On 1116 SEN, the award-winning crunch time for Honda's 2017 run-out. Scramble to the full forward, off Cox's hands to Stevenson. Pies have their third on the board. Jaden Stevenson has kicked his first goal in AFL football. Busting through is Stevenson, and you can see he's coming with intent. He put his teammates to Goey off balance, but look at the poise of the returning to Goey to read to Josh Thomas. He gets the joy of ramming it through. Outstanding passage of play. And the Magpies are full of adrenaline here at the Adelaide Oval. They're just hungrier at the moment, Collingwood. That's what stands out. Further almost to half forward. Now Barco, another one of the little pats to Grundy. And it all opens up. A bounce. He's got someone leading back Stop to full it. forward. But it doesn't matter. His kick's going over to go his head. And through for another Collingwood goal. He's kicked it. And what a night he's had, Jaden Stevenson. Five goals in just his fourth game of AFL football. He's off to Ngoi. Wouldn't he live? love a goal for his ninth work? And he's going to get one. Jordan Ngoi for his first game of the night. And look at him get around him. He's spotted the siren sounds. A night Nathan Buckley couldn't possibly have dreamed of. A first ever win on the Adelaide Oval for Collingwood. And what a win it was. They have beaten the Adelaide Crows by 48 points. We've never minded travelling, but it was a a significant performance for us because it's it's, um, getting some belief about the way you play is an important part of taking the next steps and you know, this is only one game but it was a it was an important game for us to to get right and in, in, in terms of ranking it I mean it's it's a significant win for us and it's one that we're pretty happy with it's the win to lift the horizon Collingwood as good as they've been under Nathan Buckley high-flying defender Jeremy Howe joins us the reality is we never got ourselves fully in the game from a contested. We had a little, a little burst in the third quarter. We kicked a couple of goals, but that was all three phases for us. It starts in the contest, and you know, we were badly beaten in that area all night. I thought their pressure earlier was very good, and, and so our ball use sort of suffered. And then our ability to defend the ball was, was off as well. So when, you, when you're off in all three phases, it makes it very hard. So do we downgrade the Crows after a performance like that, or was it just one of those nights? Derm and Bob will give their judgment. In 2012, the cap had ballooned to such a position that 63% of the total cap was being spent on 10 players. Yeah, it's like to take full responsibility for my actions. Uh, I'm very sorry for what I've, what I've done. I'm just looking forward to, to moving on now and getting over the decision. Sam needs to learn to work with what we do, and we represent our community. And we represent our community in a proud way, and what Sam did the other night wasn't a proud way. Now, Liam, at the moment, is quite openly saying that he knows he's nowhere near ready to play again. There's every chance that Pico doesn't play again this year. We're committed to the MCG. It's been here for 100 years. It's 100,000 people. When we get the most amount of people 
coming to it and, and we feel it's you know it's the home for our grand final. Concussion fears, the biting suspension, the grand final locked to the G. David Kosh and Brendan Gale join us from either side of the Victorian divide in the crunch. It's another massive edition of Crunch Time for Honda. Honda's 2017 run out is now on. Visit honda.com.au slash offers. It must be footy season, it must be winter because the rain is coming down, it's grey skies at the MCG, but I'm sure the Collingwood fans aren't feeling a thing after a night to remember at the Adelaide Oval. What a performance. 16-10, 106 to 9-4-58. Great to be with you on this Saturday morning, a big day of footy ahead here at 11.16 SEN and crunch time. For Honda, Honda's 2017 run out is now on. Visit honda.com.au slash offers. Great to be with you, Jared Waitley, again. But the most exciting thing is that through the powers of Cricket Australia and a lot of negotiation, <laughs> which I know had to be put on hold for a little while while there, a few things happened in South Africa and the TV rights, is the man that we've bought from the Frankston South Cricket Club or whatever it is <laughs> to join us as part of the team today. Heatherhill Cricket Club. Heatherhill, sorry. Good, good, good morning. Dermot Brereton is back with us on Crunch Time. <laughs> Jared, Robert and... Anthony, how are you? I'm very well. Yes, no, we had a win. That's a couple of weeks ago. In fact, it's presentation night tonight. I don't think I'm going to be in much fit state tomorrow. But, yeah. Mm. Foot, how good with Collingwood? That, that was, six, that was time, a... six time day premiership and five time <laughs> night premiership. Stunning what... win by uh, Collingwood last night. I think most of us. I looked at the teams when they came out and I thought, you know what, Collingwood's a chance. A real good chance here. They'll match up well. They like being on the road. It doesn't phase them. They won't win, though. <laughs> tell you what, they won by eight. It was extraordinary. What a fantastic game for the club. A real platform to launch from now. It certainly is. Bob Murphy, where do we find you? Hello, hello, boys. I'm up in Canberra. Uh, I've been sunny and chilly Canberra at the moment, so great to great to talk to you guys this morning in the glow of a uh, probably the best win of season 2018 by the Magpies. Yeah, to steal Dermot's words, stunning it was. How big is it for Bucks, do you think, Bob? Oh, massive. Yeah, I think that there's certain wins, you know, we, 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 we dissect wins more than ever these days, eight-point wins, statement games. I think what last night was was a real belief game. Everything could have gone right last week against they did exactly what they had to do, but there were some really promising signs from, from the right kind of players. They a really balanced performance. But that was that was rammed home last night against a, a formidable opponent in one of the most hostile arenas in the land, and they absolutely wiped them off the floor and to the point where we now ask serious questions about, about Adelaide's season. So no, I think uh, I think Bucks has he's got those got those boys right where he wants them. Before we continue on, just a brief question to you: Degoe being out in the first three weeks, I know no no one player is the difference between a win and a loss, but the way he balances out that team and what he gives to them, how much did it hurt them in the first three weeks? Oh, he stands out, doesn't he? Because he's got he's got powerful. obvious talent and he's powerful. That's that's the bit that I mean, you can see that from the. You know, from the safety of at the lounge room on the, on the television screen, I think what was also what was also uh, intriguing was the reaction he got from his teammates when he kicked the goal. And Wayne Carey made the comment on the call last night, but that that spoke volumes of it. And I think we will never know the exact inner workings of the of the football club and and how they've handled his his discipline issues. But pretty good sign that he was he welcomed back. 
performed the way he did, um, you know, talk about statement games, that can that can be that can be career changing and career defining for Jordan Dugowie this the first month of this season. So we know that Collingwood will be committed and determined, but last night they were classy and damaging. And just having a look so they had last week's rising star, who's the dasher off half back mm. in Murray. They'll have this week's rising star. It was They've already written it in. five goals <laughs> up front. Dugowie comes back uh, Thomas is giving them exactly what they need after his long period in the wilderness. Aish is finally becoming a player, having probably disappointed them for a couple of years. Crocker. So they are a substantially different and Mason team. Cox supplied a role uh, that, that was pivotal. Pivotal. Whereas Adelaide couldn't bring the ball down to any one point of the, the forward line. I agree with area. you. Yeah, I agree I thought with he you was there, fantastic. I, and I think, you know, the... the the critics of, of Mason Cox will point to the, the stat sheet and go, oh, he's only touched the ball, you know, half a dozen times again. But you could see you could see what he did to that structure, and you can see that he he's going to catch a couple of those because he does look comfortable. He's he's a big man, but he actually does look really comfortable above his head. So there was one, I think it was promising for him too. There was one point which, on the flip side which was so negative for Adelaide. Now you know Anthony, you've heard me over the years. Recent years, say, uh, talk about their backline. Talia is a wonderful lockdown defender. I'm still not sold on Hardigan, what his best capabilities are. The young lad, Dude, comes in, and we don't know much about him. All three of them were at a contest on the wing, and Mason Cox contested that ball. He brought it down, he crumbed it, and he ran away from those three defenders. Now, three defenders can't run down Mason Cox. You've got an issue. And without Brody Smith in that side, they lack foot pace out of the back line, they lack kicking penetration, and they lack that burst in the back line as well. They've got some issues down there. That was the bit that surprised me, Hutto, is in the lead-up to it when it was pouring rain, you're going, right, this will be a slog. And and probably brings Collingwood into the game, but Collingwood didn't play like that. No, they they, didn't. they went the run and gun. They were incredibly damaging in the way that they moved the ball. They absolutely defied the conditions. And I reckon they shed a bit of what's been set on them. Is they're only this. They're only grunt. They've got the best ruckman in the competition yep. and Steel Sidebottom's going as well as anybody outside of Tom Mitchell. Well, he's in career best form, isn't he, Steel Sidebottom? And it'll be interesting yep. to speak to Jeremy Howe about you know, the, the approach they had to the game. But I, I like your point and your line of questioning around their level of talent. We made this, we had this discussion last week, I think during the call, about the number of first-round draft picks they actually have on their list. You know, even even a guy like Ace who didn't wasn't traded for a, as high as he was originally drafted. You look through their list, they actually do have a lot of players who should have the talent, but Bucks has always talked about them as a grunt team. And, and, and look, you can see why, but now they have added maybe a couple of other elements, which maybe has to change our perception of them. Yeah. Or do we, are we jumping at one game and getting to No, they, they've got talent. in the Between the 50s, they've got talent, for sure. They had a five-goal kicker last night who's really talented but when it starts to get congested in that forward line he's not going to be able to stand up and take the heat in in year one the kid showed us clearly that he a star in the making the way he moves but if you want to talk about absolute window of contention they lack a bit at either end of the ground still at this moment i mean if let's say if darcy moore's their best Big white hope, so use that terminology if that's all right. In the forward line, eventually, he's still two to three years off being a dominant 
figure in AFL yeah, circles. But we're not expecting them to be in contention now. The, the question is, are they going to improve? And the evidence last night, and you need a launching pad. That's the game. Mm. Like, so they've got nine and nine two years running. There was a nine and a half. Is they have to be an 11-11 team. And they're aiming to be better than that. They're not going to be a 16-6 yeah. team and right at the point again. But the they have to have too, the graph it, going up. It's the it's the depth. I mean, it's easily it's easy to get distracted at the moment because calling one of the form sides of the competition on the back of last night when Grundy's the best ruckman in the competition at the moment. Still side bottoms in career best form. Pendlebury and Trelaw. I mean, Trelaw touched the ball 36 times last night. And he's almost forgotten, but. The, I think the reason why they all of a sudden look like a different side is because of the, the things they've added with, you know, Stevenson being able to finish and cameo with five goals. Murray run off the back line. That changes the way Collingwood play. It's been a, it's been a, a huge inclusion. Crisp Hoskin Elliott is someone who's also, he's starting to deliver on, on his potential. Aish has become a bit of a role player and Josh Thomas as well. So they've, that's, that's where the real improvement comes. The, we can't, we can't ask for those top four to, to to hold that that form for the rest of the season, but if they they get more of those role players in to take a bit of the pressure off, then that's 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 where they can move up. Yeah, four of their 16 goals started in the defensive 50, and we talked about Brody Grundy. Some of the numbers for him were incredible last night. To get over 10 clearances on his own is pretty amazing yeah. as a ruckman. Um, he, he beat in the direct one-on-ones with Jacobs. He beat him narrowly, 31 to 26, and Adelaide actually scored more off those hitouts. But when he took on Jenkins, it was 11 to one, and it was nine to naught in the hitouts and 11 to one in the clearances. And when he was Grundy versus Jacobs, just purely on disposals, Grundy had 26 and Jacobs had nine. So he pantsed him. What mate. he can do around the ground and in that follow-up is and, outstanding. And you sort of think, well, well, that's where he's going to be loaded heavy in. You know, the follow-up, the run around because he's so agile and and he scratches and scrounges for anything <laughs> that drops at below knee level close to him. He actually beat him in the ruck as well. Mm. Yeah, where you'd think that Jacobs would be able to massage it a bit better for his team. He he comprehensively beat him in the ruck. Does it r- raise the aspirations for them this year? I know you talked about 11 and 11. How does it change things? Or will the expectations now become something different? Than that? 11 and 11's bloody good. You, you, you're one accidental win away from being in contention to play in September. And... Not that anybody hands you a win, and I said accidental, but sometimes things go right for you. The opposition can get free injuries on the one day and they run out of steam, a better opposition. So things can happen for you. If you can get to 11-11, it's for where this team's been in the last three seasons, that'd be bloody good. And then you have to include them in the conversation. And we knew with their draw that the first six weeks was hard, yeah. and what could what could they get out with? So they're two and two, they give themselves a chance of being three and three, and then notionally the draw eases up as they took their pain early, and there was the risk that they could have been one and five if they got off to a stumbling start, and I think that was a lot of the commentary after they were poor against Hawthorne, yep. and they have rectified that since. But if they get out of this phase three and three and then set their sights on being a good team is their draw does open up and if they are a 50 50 team or better they'll get the chance to display that that. i love that terminology jared their draw opens up i played 211 games never played an easy one (laughs) they're all hard now more than ever really i was talking to someone from a club yesterday and they said you know you used to actually be able to go through your fixture and tick a few and say they'll be winning. Lighten the load on him a little bit this week because we're only playing the Brisbane Bears. Yeah. Well, there you like go. That. You did yeah. have some. But, uh, uh, no, not really. Yeah. 
what about for Bucks personally, Jared? What, what do you think a win like that means? You, uh, a lot. Regular? Yeah, so my thesis the whole way through has been, could he get clear air in which to grow this team to what he thought it should be? They were marked hard because of their own... Um, obsession with declaring themselves always finalists and always in contention at a phase where they well knew that that wasn't the case and they had to take some pain to bring that group in its late teens, early 20s through and they're still in the process of bringing those through. But it should... So he doesn't lack for self-belief, although he did have his moments last year where he thought he wasn't going to get to see this next phase through. But it would give him confidence, Bob, would it not, that the program that he's put in place is the one. It is the one that gives this chance, this team a chance to reach its full capacity and start to challenge going up the ladder instead of always on the slide. Yeah, there's, I think there's, there is a real thing of a milestone wins that whilst I'm sure they're all fully committed to the style of play and the team that they've they've put together, there's nothing like putting it together when you've had some adversity. And they were they did have some adversity early in the season. We know the climate for Collingwood is different to just about every other club. We look from the outside and say, oh, it's a you know, great win. Interstate wins are important. Inside a football club, interstate wins like the ones Collingwood had last night can change can change the horizons of expectations of the club. And I, I saw it happen at the Bulldogs early in, in Luke Beveridge's career when we went up to Sydney, and it changed the expectations. It lifted the horizons of that whole group. I think a win like last night could do exactly that for Collingwood. Well, it will be fascinating to see. Uh, we're going to speak to Jeremy Howe very shortly. Just a quick word on Adelaide, and we'll explore it a little further later. Was it just one of those nights, Derm, do you think? No. Or does it show the, a bit no. of an underbelly for them? No, they, they're a good team. But if you want to say we're a grand final team like last year, we're in the window uh, and we should get there with all the right preparation and the likes, they've got some issues. And they were so poor for so long during the night. They were. They really didn't give a yelp. The, the little flurry they had in the third quarter came by virtue of a 50-metre penalty, which may or may not have been there. Is On their home deck, where they very rarely are, they were wretched. Yeah. For such a good player... Can we think of other players who deal with a tag, a, a press, a play with, run with, roll in worse circumstances or less capable than uh, Rory Sloan? Yeah, I, even the coach after the match said he is injured. He, is, he has been carrying um, some sort of foot injury. And he, he well, that's a big concession because it is. Could, can you imagine other coaches saying, oh, my player was injured? You sent him out there. Yeah. I know they're, they're missing a couple of other soldiers. There was a question mark over Tex going in as well. He played. The, the decision, Blighty and Kane were absolutely staggered that they played such a, a tall side last night. Like, they were staggered on Thursday night. Yeah, but then, but then Collingwood go in with Brody Grundy and Mason Cox. Now, Mason Cox is is the seven-footer. Yeah, but their who four line were all talls other than Eddie, and Eddie's yeah. still trying to take marks. But who would have thought that... Here's a bloke who's seven foot, can't pick the ball up off the ground, uh, is not going to play in the ruck for more than about 14 to 15 minutes for the match, and they still played him, and he was valuable. The Crows' alibi is they're missing both Crouches, Sloan is injured, so that's their midfield. Yeah, it is. That's the midfield as we've known it. Gibbs has come in, but without the... With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. 
It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. That you don't get the full value out of it. All right, more on Adelaide later, but it's 19 past 11. We're away on crunch time for Honda. Honda's 2017 run out is now on. Visit honda.com.au slash offers. When we return, we continue to chat about a marvellous win for the Magpies with Jeremy Howe. And welcome back to Crunch Time for Honda. Honda's 2017 run out is on now. And joining us on the line, a victorious pie from last night, Jeremy Howe. Jeremy, good morning to you. What a fantastic night. Must be one of your, your most favourite memories already of, uh, of being a Collingwood player. Yeah, morning, lad. Thanks for having me. Um, yeah, definitely uh, good, to, good to wake up on a Saturday morning after an impressive uh, performance at, at Adelaide over last night. The, uh, the boys are on. Um, they set it from the start. And, um, yeah, it's good to come away with a win. They really did set it from the start. I mean, what were your own expectations going into the game? What was, uh, was there anything different in the way Nathan had approached the week? Obviously, travelling to Adelaide is always tough, but you have been a good travelling side. So what was your thoughts going in? Yeah, I think um, we kind of set it up uh, probably the way that we started even last week. We, you know, we're trying to base our game off the strong defensive side of the game. Uh, and to the boys' credit, I think, um, even especially, like young James H probably set the tone for us earlier with a couple of big tackles and we, we scored on the back of them. And, you know, coming up against Adelaide, they're they're an impressive side and they move the ball extremely well. So, you know, the weather clearly clearly played into a little bit. It was going to slow them down initially, but um, the guys who applied a mass pressure on them and managed to slow them up was, was super impressive. Jeremy Dermott here. Congratulations. It was just a stunning win by the club. I, I know you go to every game as league players and you believe, and you believe you can win. As you were going into the ground, did you believe you'd win by eight goals? Uh, oh, yeah, I don't think we'll ever, you know, I think going away, travelling away and playing Adelaide, I don't think you're going to plan on putting them away by eight goals. But, um, you know, we were confident going in that it was going to be a hot contest and uh, we felt like if we could win it on the inside and um, get it four, we definitely were a big show and, you know, the boys were confident going in. So it was obviously great to get the result um, that we did. Now, so many people view and analyse the game and, and sometimes we make too much of, of tactics, but I thought Nathan's pre-planning against the Crows was just superb last night to come up to the, the half-backs and pressure in their face, force them to try and bite off kicks inside and, and then be within teasing striking distance to pick those footies off rather than just set up 50 metres down the line. I thought that just that a little tactic like that was superb and, and worked brilliantly. Yeah, it was it was huge. I think um, credit to the to the Oppo guys coming in that you know we we found out how well we worked out how they wanted to move the ball and um, you know the forwards were going to be crucial on applying pressure and we knew Adelaide were going to stick to their stick to their game plan and continually try and plug it through and um, the mids were mids were super and the backs were were positioning themselves aggressively. We tried to make the ground as small as possible and make them kick through eighteen of us and I think we did that for the majority of the night and um, it ended up coming off so it worked well. Jeremy, Bob Murphy here. Again, well done on last night. Where, where does that win rate for you in terms of your career? I mean, you, you, you've had a hard time, uh, not a lot of success at Melbourne, come across to Collingwood and also, a few, you know, some, some tough times as well. Where does it rate for you on a personal level? It has to be, yeah, it has to be right up there. Even, um, you know, chatting with blokes like Steele and Pendles, they, they had it up there with one of the better wins they've had in, the you know, the last three, four years. But for me personally, I'd have it in, it has to be in the top three at least because, 
you know, I've been starving a few wins, as you know. But um, you look to get it to get a win against you know the previous year's grand finalists was um, was massive, and um, it does does wonders for the confidence of the group and the belief building. You know, we've got a, we've got a good game plan, in, in, um, and to get the job done away always helps. And uh, and after the game, the the boys came together to sing the song, and what's becoming a bit of a trend in the AFL now. The entire footy department came together and and sang the song together. Uh, whose yeah. idea was that? There was there was a whisper that it was the skipper Scott Pendlebury. Can you confirm that for me? Yeah, I can confirm. The skipper was pretty keen to get everyone involved, and it was great. Um, you know, it was obviously great seeing the doggies do it. And oh, for us, it's like a one in all in mentality. All the work that goes in, especially the staff and uh, the coaches, and you know, it's great on the away games. Everyone gets together, and um, you know, it was a really good feeling. And you know, it was just great to share that with with everyone that was there. So, um, you know, they put in just as much as work as what we do. So, um, to share the moment, sing the song together, it was great. And what about the backline chemistry, mate? The Crows is a celebrated forward line, the the best attacking side last year, and and you were part of a backline last night that completely dismantled them. How did you go about that? Yeah, look, they've obviously got you know oh, a star-studded forward line. Um, we got some some really good bigs and then their smalls are crafty as well and you know we tried to tried to back our system in until Dunny and Shaz were really great on, on Tex and Jenkins getting the job done there and then it was pretty much up to us other five um, to kind of flip around and, and play multiple roles and I think we feel like the strength of ours is our versatility down back and we use that to our strengths and you know having the likes of Murray and Christy and that running off always helps and that's added another string to the back line bow. Jeremy, the use of handball defied the rain in the lead up to the game. What was it? A, was it a preordained plan that you were going to play like that? And was there any thought with the weather, the way that it closed in, that it mightn't be the go? Yeah, look, I mean, we didn't go into the plan, uh, into the game planning on uh, being handball happy. But um, to the boys' credit, I thought the guys inside um, were extremely clean, given the conditions were, were slippery, um, and there was probably the difference in the end. Uh, Inside mids and high backs, high forwards were super clean. Ground balls were... Uh, we went into the game, wanted to get a, in the positives in the ground ball differential, and we managed to do that. Um, take territory when we've given, but um, we got a little bit handball happy at times, but I think we played the percentages pretty well for the majority of the night. Can I ask you, have you played on, trained on, marked or stood next to, whatever you want to call it, Jaden Stevenson at training? And if so, what problems does he throw at you? <laughs> I have. Um, I don't put my hand up too many times. I normally hand him over to someone who's a bit quicker than me, but um, <laughs> he's constantly on the move, and I think that's that's what you need to be a dangerous forward. Um, and he's, you can tell that his, his speed is elite, and um, he just provides something different. Like he, his, his defensive pressure is super, but um, you know you don't want to let him go side because you're not going to catch him. And um, he's a classy young player, so give him give him five kicks, he's probably going to kick at least four. So. He's a good addition in the forward line. The boys love playing with him. Um, provides plenty of energy. I noticed last year, I watched him at TAC, and he, the game I saw him with the naked eye, he was playing on the wing, and he was able to run at the ball coming towards him with his back to goals, and no matter who was chasing him, he could do a U-turn and burn them off. He is seriously fast on the turn as well, which suggests he can play as a forward. He is. His agility is outstanding, and, um, you know, we... we pump him up to make sure he uses that. Clearly, it's a big strength and going to continually back him in. He uses it offensively, but also he's chasing second to none. So, he's a good addition. And like I said, yeah, the boys love playing with him. So, hopefully, he just continues to build.
There's some good ruckmen in the comp at the moment, but I, <laughs> but I really do believe that Brody Grundy is right now the number one ruckman in the comp. His ability to go from the hit out that he's contesting to being scrambling on the ground for it and winning it at 204 centimetres, it's it's an extraordinary feat. He is, his form is out of this world at this moment. Yeah, and to his credit, you know, I've said it before, he worked harder than, than anyone I've ever seen. And it's, um, you know, his natural progression is continually getting better and better. And, um, you know, it's no surprise he's playing the footy he is. But like you said, I think his hit-out stuff and his ruck craft is, is super. But it's his follow-up, um, his pressure to apply on opposition mid. So they get a... You might get half a hand on him um, to get a scrappy, scra- a scrappy clearance. But then his work rate around the ground is something that's just continually grown and you know there's no there's no surprise why he's you know averaging mid to high 20s and um his hit outs are super so we love the way he's going about it and definitely giving our mids first service but um also providing plenty around the ground jeremy a bit's been made about more selfless roles at collingwood we saw pendles last week become a run with player you seem to be playing a more one-on-one defensive role which might be costing you in terms of intercept marks and the spectacular but it, it's clearly a role that nathan needs you to play yeah, I think, um, you know, we've had a, a clear focus of, you know, really driving that selfless attitude. And I think it's it's standing out um, regardless of who the player is and what role they need to be played, both tipping in. And I think, you know, we're getting the results that um, that would show that, you know, to, to Pendle's credit, like he's, <laughs> you know, you asked him to go and stand on Crip last week. He, he does it this week. You know, last couple of weeks, side he's been a real accountable uh, defensive mid, but then also, you know, clearly his offence is shining. So... Um, you know, it's, you know, multiple blokes are getting different roles each week, but um, continually standing up and getting the job done, which is impressive. And after all the public scrutiny on Bucks last year in particular, and probably the whole time he's been coaching, to, for the players to repay him to a degree with a performance like that must be particularly satisfying. Yeah, I think you know, it's just it's great. You know, Bucks is I'll, I'll continue to say he's been super for the group and. Uh, for us to implement, you know, his game plan and um, buy into, you know, that for at least four, you know, three and a half quarters last night was super. And um, I think if we can impose, a, you know, our game style on the opposition for long enough, I think we're going to match it with most teams. And last night was that's why I was super impressive against a, a really good side. And we're going to have to continually bring that. And um, we're looking forward to Anzac Day in 12 days' time. What was the talk around the player group after the injuries at training on Wednesday night when you lose two players to hamstrings in the final training session? Yeah, well, you know, we got we got word of it reasonably late, but it's not ideal. You clearly want, you know, everyone who's available, you want us to be able to play. But for those guys to go down with minor hamstrings, is not, not ideal. But, you know, at the same time, our, our team this week compared to last week, it was one change in the end. It was ended up being to go in for, for Tay Adams out. Did it cause... Yeah, did it cause any talk around the number of injuries you've had over a period of time and the training facility? No, nah, it didn't. Like we, it's just one of those things that you know you can't really can't really focus on too much. Um, you know, the playing group was focused on just getting the job done this week. We don't. It's like if someone goes down with a hammy, someone's got to step up. But um, yeah, there's no murmurs in that going around the club as to reason. But um, yeah, we just focus on getting the job done on the weekend. Essendon coming up. 10 days is probably the perfect break. 12 days is pretty long. Will you? What, what's the format between now and then? Will you have a real hard hit out in between? What, what have they laid out for you guys? Yeah, look, I think because um, it's such a, it's a strange setup having so long off before the game, but um, I think we'll structure it up. We'll have probably 
two uh, pretty solid main teams, I imagine, and then I think we'll have um, probably three three days off separated um, apart in between training runs as well. So um, they'll keep it they'll keep it you know reasonably solid. We'll get some solid hit outs, but also you know you got to keep um, the boys refreshed and get a couple of days off in there as well. So um, you know I think the boys will enjoy it. Um, Rest up. That's why it was good to see the boys run out uh, the game last night and then uh, get ready for Wednesday week. Jeremy, congratulations again on last <laughs> night. Uh, enjoy the flight back and uh, looking back on the win last night, uh, enjoy your break. But don't get too one-on-one. We, we still want to see you take a few hangers <laughs> as the year goes on, all right? I'll save for Anzac Day, boys. No worries. Good on you. Jer- <laughs> Jeremy Howe joining us here on Crunch Time. On 1116 SEN, the award-winning crunch time for Honda's 2017 runout. Welcome back. Uh, this is crunch time for Honda. Honda's 2017 runout sale is now on. Visit honda.com.au slash offers. Uh, in a moment, we'll get into the crunch. Uh, as we said, Brennan Gale to join us after midday. An injury update, though, for Arnold Thomas and Becker. Eddie Betts, just to add uh, injury to insult last night, he did a hamstring. Let's have a listen to Don Pike chatting about it post-game. Well, from what I've been told from the docs, it's uh, it's just precautionary. He's got, you know, he just felt a bit of tightness. So um, there was no, at that stage, there was no real point risking him, and not that they were keen to risk him. So, you know, they just iced that up, and, and we'll get their assessed during the week. Josh Bruce, as we've discussed already, out for six to eight weeks with a stress fracture in his back. That was an injury update for Arnold Thomas and Becker, over 50 years' experience in personal injury law. Um, Derm, to you. Let's get into the crunch. Did the tribunal let the players down on the Connor McKenna biting charge? Uh, <laughs> it was weird, wasn't it? It just... I don't know. I, yeah. Hard for me to comment on it. The current day player were uniform yeah. in there. That's just not enough. And Bob was Three weeks. Years. I don't know where it comes from. It, it just... I can understand Blake's getting frustrated. And, my God, I've been frustrated at times and given a clip out and regretted it almost instantaneously when you think, oh, how much is that going to cost me? But I don't know where a bite comes from. Um, Yeah, it's one of those ones. Culturally, it's not acceptable by Australian standards. But, gee... What's his name? Suarez in the EPL. He, he seems to think it's all right. He goes in there three times. Yeah, oh no! So he did get eight months. The yeah, time true. In um, culturally, it's 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 a, it's viewed like kicking it, it in Australian circumstance. Probably, yeah. Let the the cultural view of the Australian sportsman down. Yeah. Bob, you just restate your view on that. Yeah, I've I've got sort of little sympathy for for players who who act out in that sense. When it, when the situation, they, they created the entire situation. Conor McGregor was just, Conor McKenna, sorry, was... was, was <laughs> yeah. There's been a lot of that going around. <laughs> he might have it, it hasn't been a great week for Irish Connors, has it? <laughs> no, they've been, they've been active. Yeah, but I, I, it was, you know, there was a, it, was a, it was a good tackle, but there was, there was no need for any kind of retribution or attack and the bite... Um, the bite to the neck. It was it was it was vicious. So three three jarred me is not not nearly enough. I would have, I, so I had it enough? at five. You had five. I had mm. I had five as my my gut reaction. The only thing I'd ask you then, Bob, on cultural status, if somebody breaks a jaw and that person's out for six weeks, that's uh, where it's hard to measure up, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, that's what that's why I bring this issue of cultural in, into it as well. I mean, you played against the Irish in in football; they don't think all that much of giving a little ankle tap. No. We we find it 
preposterous, and we will we'll throw out a backhander, and they go tropo over it. Culturally, there's a divide between what's not acceptable, but what you think is kind of the the, the acceptable nasty yeah, thing no, to I, do. I, I yeah. know what you mean. I, I remember having a, getting into a wrestle with with one of the Irish boys, you know, 15 years ago in the international rules, and I and I, you know, amazingly, I even shocked myself, got on top of him, and he, he kind of used his boots to sort of get me off, which I took that as a kick, which. He obviously didn't, but have, let's not muddy the waters here. I, I don't think, in terms of culture, whether it's Irish, Australian, biting is is across the board. That's a, that's a hard no. So uh, I, not, should, I, I, I shouldn't laugh, Rob, but, but, <laughs> but I, I, I don't know why. I do kind of find it so preposterous. It is worth a laugh. <laughs> Only you could find humour. The air of concern around Liam Pickin has been there since the eve of the season when it was announced he was out indefinitely still suffering the effects from concussion. I think Luke Beveridge surprised us all with the gravity of the scenario that he described on SEN on Thursday night. Liam um, at the moment is quite openly saying that he knows he's nowhere near ready to play again. He There's every chance that Pico doesn't play again this year. You know, he, he's uh, he's still getting dizzy spells. He's got headaches. He can't train with the footies. He can't even cope with loud music. Oh, he can't even cope with music. He's 31. He's played 198 games. He was the player of the 2016 final series, Bob. And to hear Luke Beveridge speak then and in the aftermath is to think that Liam Pickin might not play again. Yeah, I think that's the that's the line that I sort of took from it, that if if the club are publicly talking about the fact that we... We probably won't see him again this year. I, I would doubt that we'll we'll see him again, which would be an absolute uh, tragedy for for Liam and for for all football followers because he's I think he's he's one of the favourites of the competition. We everyone loves the way he plays. He's um his attack on the ball and he's he's created a bit of a cult following and he's and he's a he's a hell of a decent uh, hell of a decent human being. But that 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 doesn't sound like um. That doesn't sound great at all, and and I it's really so stark, Bob, isn't it really? Like as you said, he's such a favourite, and what he did in that final series was amazing. And it, it does go to this concern over over concussion that we all have, and that the AFL are obviously trying to do their best to address. But yeah, just when you, you know when you start, sometimes you mount an argument. Oh come on, what are they paying a free for that for? That's soft. Then you either have to marry marry that up with these sort of examples. It's... Yeah, exactly. And I think and people are so we are so critical in this. Of, of everything in sport these days, but with the concussion, it's 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 not an exact science. And anyone that says that you know the term of expert with concussion is that's got, that's got to be a difficult one to make as well because it's just so it's there still seems to be so much unknown to it. But just the examples then, and and none of us are experts here, obviously. But just hearing that of the confusion of simple handball drills, just the the chaos of a simple handball drill was enough for Lane. He could he, he had to remove himself from those situations and then loud music that that kind of jars all of us I think to think, well I'd, I'd be be highly unlikely that we see Lamb play again. Is he the kind of player who and, and I'm trying to look on the bright side here for a possible return because could you imagine if he did run out in two years time at a <laughs> A fairly lofty age by AFL stands, but if he made a comeback, then is he the kind of bloke who would lose pace? Uh, I don't think so, Derm. He's he's physically really gifted, Liam, and um, he hasn't he hasn't slowed down. He hasn't his body shape hasn't really changed. The way he is now is the way he always was. Um, but but then but then again, 
playing football beyond your 30s, it, it is a bit like trying to outrun the sunset. Eventually, it does get you. So missing missing a full year would, would test anyone, even as someone as talented and as tough as, as Liam Picken. But, but, but someday, someone will do it. Yeah, but if you frame this up, instead of as a footballer, if you frame it up as a father and as a husband, mm-hmm. and you're sitting there going, so this concussion has had this impact. Yeah. Uh, what does the next concussion look like? I don't, I don't know how you actually make that mental leap to go. I'm prepared to put myself in that position. And I'm not trying been... to sound trite or weird, but to me, and now I can totally understand you saying that, and that's a a thinking human being's viewpoint. For a bloke where I came from in my era, we think differently. Yeah, we think about the comeback. We think about the glory of running out there again and doing something that our game will remember. Yeah. Because, you know, we sort of think, yeah, fair enough, we don't want to do the wrong thing by our family, but families are everywhere. Great, yep. great historic football deeds aren't. And I know that sounds yep. weird. I reckon that's the change, though, in the with the spectre of concussion, is I don't... I don't know Liam's wife, but that would be a hard argument to run. I don't. I, hard it would to be get hard by to get right, past so. the club doctor. <laughs> yes, it might even be hard to get past the league. To be frank, is and, if you're and also, there and also, I'd, all that. also, yeah. I'd throw into that, Jared. And I, you, you're both making valid points of that. Liam has already done it. He, he he performed at his absolute best for the Bulldogs when they absolutely needed him, and 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 did as much as anyone to bring that premiership home. It's almost it's almost as if I, I read between the lines of Luke Beveridge. It's almost it's there's a, a hint of we want to thank Liam that he retiring or giving away often feels like quitting for footballers and athletes because it's we're just built not to do that. Whereas I think he would need to hear, I think he needs to hear from the football community and people around that he, he's he's done it. He, he he's done his job and he can he can put his feet up if he, if that's what the medical that's what the medical are, advice is. Are you suggesting that he he almost wants to move to a point now to call it? Oh, I, I don't know, Jack. I just 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 the way just I wouldn't I was surprised by by Luke Beveridge sort of putting it out there that you know, we, we probably won't see him for the rest of this year. It's almost getting the ball rolling of, of the the stages of it. Yeah, maybe Luke wants him to call it. Yeah, maybe. Don't, don't put yourself through it. There hasn't been too many of these players that have missed long periods with concussion that have actually come back. In the end, most of them have, have gone on to retire, haven't yeah. they? Just there were from... echoes of Justin Clark in, in what was being explained yeah. by Luke Berry. Uh, did the Cats get the management of Gary Ablett wrong last week? Let's hear Chris Scott, first of all, responding to that uh, question. No, not really, especially given it was so early in the season. Um, he'd only played you know, the, the two games for us and was in good shape. Um, and, and it's very rare that that early in the season that the coaching staff would overrule the medical staff and just be really conservative. Um, it certainly would have been more of a factor if we were you know, 10 or 12 games in and he played every game. Um, and even in retrospect, no one's um, suggesting that um, he was at risk going into the game. Derm? Do they get it wrong, or is it a reasonable for him to travel as far as Perth this early in the year? You got to play. You got to play. You, you can't bring a boy into your club and say he gets different concession. I know he's Gary Ablett, he's in junior, mid thirties. Yeah, I know. And you have to play the player. Give him less ground time. That that'll be the only thing I think they could do. You know, they do time them to the literally to the minute as how. Of, as to how much time they have out there, give him less ground time. You, you talk about taking him to the other side of the, the country. If you can't sit in a plane for three hours, you probably shouldn't be playing. 
Are you getting concerned about the Cats, Jared, with their injuries? Oh, only in so far as you'd like a key defender <laughs> you would. in place is either Taylor or Henderson. Are they definitely going to make that. the eight, Derm, Geelong? It's a long season, mate. I think they'll get their 12-plus. Yeah. The, so the Ablett retrospective question is interesting, but Bob, going forward, is having had two hamstrings now, one in the preseason, one in round three, they do have to alter his thinking, I suspect, as to how many times he plays and what load he carries. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if the, the initial plan was to to just go with business as usual. And then once you get into the dog days of round 15, 16, I, then maybe sort of uh, play around with Gary's fixture, whether he would travel, whether he would whether we play interstate, I think that plan now sort of would, would come forward. So um, that's without knowing the details, but I, I would think now it's a there would be a separate management plan for, for Gary. Yeah. That's a pretty fair call. Chris indicated that they do have to change their line of thinking now. Yep. But and you, convince him, and convince him to change yeah. his line of thinking. Well, the Lions have basically said that is the way they're going to handle Luke Hodge. So are you almost thinking, Anthony, that's the way that Geelong should well, have started out with? I'm not sure. Well, potentially. I heard someone say during the week, and I apologise, I can't remember who said it, maybe that Luke Hodge should play all the travel games rather than the home games because that's where you use his experience. <laughs> that, that, <laughs> that's a really that's, interesting way of thinking. I'm, I'm, that's got me baffled. Has it? Can you, I, think, I mean, I'm, he helped them almost beat Port on the weekend. That it was, was fantastic. I, I, I just think as long as you can have him out there, his his knowledge is going to be imparted on those young players. So, All, all right, Derp, sorry about yeah. this. So we, we need to take a break. We need a 40-winks ladder update, though. The Crows dropped from eighth to second, and they're, they're sorry, down to eighth. They're second two and two tonight, with yeah. a percentage of 107.3, while the Pies to ninth, also two and two with a percentage of 106.7. More crunch time next for Honda. Honda's 2017 run-out is now on. Visit honda.com.au slash offers. We'll return to the main points out of Friday Night Footy, and Benny Gale will join. On 11.16 SEM, the award-winning crunch time for Honda's 2017 run-out. It has to be, yeah, it has to be right up there. Even, um, you know, chatting with blokes like Steele and Pendles, they, they had it up there with one of the better wins they've had in the, you know, the last three, four years. But for me personally, I'd have it in, it has to be in the top three at least because, you know, I've, I've been starving a few wins, as you know, but... Um, Look to get a, to get a win against you know the previous year's grand finalists was um, was massive and um, it does does wonders for the confidence of the group and the belief building you know we've got a, we've got a good game plan in um, and to get the job done away always helps. That's what it meant to Collingwood last night. Jeremy Howe on crunch time and the best three wins that he's been a part of and even for the season Collingwood group of Steel Sidebottom and Scott Pendlebury. It was right up there. It gives them a launching pad for season 2018. Crunch time for Honda. Honda's 2017 run out is now on. Visit honda.com.au slash offers. Jared Waitley, Anthony Hudson, Bob Murphy and Dermot Brereton with the three key takeaways from last night. Derm. You were full of praise for Taylor Walker and what he did last weekend. Launching did, at the footy, yeah. Did Tex regress last night? He's making a rod for his back the way he is capable of drifting out of a hard contest or not physically imposing himself on it. Being the size and stature he is, it is <laughs> tailor-made for imposing that physical frame on the game. And he twice in the last five games has shied away from it. So give us give us something tangible. 
What was the example that really struck you? The, the moment in the first half last night when there was a ground ball and he was meeting up to it in the... Um, hunting up to it on the back flank, and he saw it between himself and a Collingwood opponent. He ran at the ball. The Collingwood player ran at the ball too. was going to arrive there a half second later. There was going to be a collision. He fumbled the ball because he was watching the man come at him. He wasn't willing to accept as captain of the team that he was going to cop hard physical contact or some contact. He fumbled the ball away and then actually turned sideways to slide past the Collingwood opponent and make no contact. It, it was a dreadful moment. Are they definitely top four, Adelaide Durham, in your mind? Definitely top four. No one's definite, but or do those they sort of, should be. Does the hangover of some of those things from the grand final, plus the injuries they've got now, throw more doubts in your they mind? They can't move the ball out of the back line against a well-drilled defensive team set up against them. They cannot move the ball forward. I went through their back line. You have a look at them. Uh, Laird is a wonderful accumulator. He's a chip-and-charge run-type player who then can spot it up. Talia's locked down. Kelly's locked down. Duday, we don't really know yet. Hartigan is maybe a second-string key defender who will peel off and, and assist in a spoil. Other than that, he's a lockdown. Uh, they have to play McKay off the back flank now to get some run out of there in the absence of Brody Smith. Smith. Yeah. Seedsman's a winger, but he's not physically strong enough to play down there as a defender to defend the ball and then run it out. You love his run out of there. So they are bereft of ability to move the ball forward at pace. Because if you're just a kicking team, cover the targets and the opposition can't move it. If you've got both at your disposal, you run the ball out and you're a kicking team, you've got to hedge your bets when you're, when you're setting up to defend that oncoming ball. Adelaide right now are a lockdown team who don't use it that well out of the back line because their lockdown backmen aren't great kicks. And they've lost their run with Brody Smith going out. So this was Don Pike in the aftermath last night on Tex Walker. No, no, his, his, his plan of fashion is fine. I mean, for, for Tex, it's, you know, he's come off a very limited pre-season and so we've been sort of managing him between games as well as in games as, as best we can. Um, and he, he's, he'll get there. Um, you know, tonight was one of, his, one of his better nights. But as I said, you know, if I went around the, uh, the change rooms now, um, I wouldn't find too many guys who are putting their hand up to say I played to the level I really want to um, and the level is expected of me and played my role to, to how we need to, to get a result. There was just a hit of the search for excuses in the aftermath last night. Maybe it's to rationalise how they could be so badly beaten on their home patch. And I can understand the coach defending him totally like that, except one thing, he's captain. So, Bob, you put the Crows on the watch lists after round one, wondering what the accumulative toll of losing a grand final in such a manner might be. So how, can, how concerns... Are we entitled to be around the Crows? Uh, well, I'm not sure how entitled we are, but I, I've got questions, and I think I think we let I think we let round one sort of slip. We were we were impressed by how Essendon ran away from them in the last quarter, but I, I had a nagging a nagging suspicion that they lost the appetite for that for that contest through the amount of run. They just seemed to stop. Uh, and that that was the same last night, except last night wasn't just a lack of run; it was a a lack of appetite for the contest, which which Derm is which Derm has alluded to. So that that's that's twice in four weeks, which that's that's a whole lot. I mean, sides lose lose games, uh, we know that. I think 
two two losses where the appetite has been questioned. That's a lot for a side who played in a grand final last year. So I, there just seems to be a there's a little there's a hint of of something at Adelaide that that doesn't all go well for them for the rest of the year. You're the last in in Clubland, obviously with, with us here. When Taylor actually said after the season, oh, um, uh, Jake Lever, he's chased money instead of staying here for success. Does that almost speak volumes that they believe it's going to happen? That's uh, a good question. It's a good question, Derm. Um, he, he certainly, he's very vocal and very direct, Tex. Um, he's a, almost a bit of a throwback in, in, in that sense. Um they obviously believe they're they're right there in the window. So his his form and those efforts last night they, they hurt they hurt his they hurt his leadership. I think that's that's what you you've spoken to already um, this morning. Uh, I'm not I'm not convinced either way at the moment. But I, there's just a for me there's just a, a, a real question mark on on the, the damage of that grand final humiliation whether it's still lingering for them. Rory Sloan's interesting though too as well, isn't he? Mm. That, that injury you talked about the hint of excuse. Still the on gap. We had Rob Chapman on last night. He, he gave us, despite uh, intense probing, get no real update further on. Uh, the uh, the and one we thing didn't expect him to on Rory Sloan's future, but we we just got that sense that it's it's not carved in stone that he's going to stay there. Just about his current form, then we can move on to that. And, and Rob, you you might even have a, a giggle at this. We showed some footage of him where Sidebottom pushed off him at the stoppage and got a snapper goal from the stoppage. And Rory had to chase him for five steps. And you know how when you... There's a thing that footballers do. They do it at park level. They do it at AFL level. When you know you can't get to the tackle on the chase, you bob your head as if, (laughs) Coach, I'm really trying hard. I hope I can fool you with this head bob as if I'm really trying but I'm labouring. Do you know who had one of your one of your old teammates who coached me, Dermot Rodney Ede, he, he had a great phrase for that because he had a very keen eye on exactly what you're describing. And he used to desc- he used to say it, you're like a dog chasing the bus, son. You got no in- you got no intent of catching that bus. <laughs> yeah, and you can almost end up with 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 losers limp when you when <laughs> that's, you... that's another one of his that he must have pinched it off Alan Jeans did he yeah it was well they're all Jeansisms Alan yeah. Jeans you have said it don't bloody come in here and give me bloody losers limp <laughs> <laughs> losers limp's a great line so they've got Sydney at the SCG which will be a, a really interesting physical challenge for them as much as anything else and then they've got four in a row at the Adelaide Oval the Crows so uh, there aren't any guarantees on them but they're, mm. they're just a watching good team at the moment that's right they're a good team there's no doubt about that and you would think that they're going to win 12 plus what they get last year 15 or 16 wins I think they got 15 and 15 and 7 it wasn't a huge year for you know a, an 18 and 4 or a 19 and 3 type team I think they were 15 Joe but 15 6 and a draw yeah. oh yeah in the draw is, so, is there a team that that you got more com- much more confidence in than Adelaide to make the top 4 like who, who are you really confident in oh, I'm super confident with Richmond yeah I reckon their best is the best in the. It was at the end of last year, and mm. it is at the start of this year. Yeah, I, I'd like to see the hard months. As what did you yeah, call yeah. them? The the grind, Bob. Yeah, the grind. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yep. yeah, because it's because what they played was such a taxing game. I mean, people talked about the pace of those three small forwards, but the 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 
what do you call it, the mileage, kilometre ridge, whatever you want to call it, covered by them was phenomenal. Now, to do that week in, week out during that grind is would be something extraordinary. So I think I, Sydney I are my favourite. I reckon they're doing it without Sydney. it being as taxing at the moment, Richmond. I actually think they've sort of not quite mastered it, but Correct. it's now much more second nature. So last week they played their coverage of the ground against Hawthorne was extraordinary. They were 39 points up and they got a bit showy, to be frank. And they they did. Yeah, up back at back here in goals. Yeah, yeah. But I watched that and thought that's much more sustainable. It's the same game but played in a more sustainable way. Yeah, and it wasn't as taxing as the last four mm. games from last year, for sure. And just on, Richmond, how much are we seeing other teams borrow from them, do you think? Well, everybody plays, you know, follow the market yeah. leader and, you know, ring a ring a rosy. Which team is, is borrowed the but most But for me, from... Sydney. Sydney, to answer yeah. your original question. Okay, sorry. Sydney have the powerful midfield. They've dropped one against Port Adelaide, yep. But Sydney have that powerful midfield. They've got Franklin up front. They've got knowledgeable, serviceable, professional backmen who are very comfortable to have the ball down there. They want for They've just nothing. lost Reed again, though. Is that... Is that yeah. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter? Doesn't matter. But he can do the whole thing down there, can he? Yeah, you've got three or four other blokes that can come through there. And they blooded a few last year who were now even appearing to be yeah, Haywood stepping into the next step. Florent. Ollie Florent played his best game two weeks ago. Yeah. yeah, so they are talented young players who they've brought in. So now they're going to be picks 21 through to 26. They're, they're pretty well served. Yeah, they're, for me, they're, they're the ones that you'd lock in the fall. Do you think there are many teams, Hato, implementing Richmond? Yeah, it's a, uh, I, I, think, I don't, I must say. I think Collingwood have taken a little bit of it in sort of the way they're playing in general, and maybe the unselfishness, maybe it's not necessarily the actual physical way they're playing, but more this, 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 you've got to strict stick to your role, which I know is not new in footy, but Richmond and the Bulldogs have shown that if you do that, you can get the ultimate result. Certainly off field, there's a lot of clubs implementing the whole mindfulness side of things. But well, it was interesting when Hawthorne played Geelong a couple of weeks ago on the Monday, it was almost the Richmond-ish forward line with the th- three, four small forwards with Impey coming in there. They don't drill runners hard up the ground and just slingshot back with the, with the forward momentum ball. I, I also their, think... their small forward pressure was phenomenal. Mm. I also think we will see... But they've uh, been doing that, that way for quite some years anyway. So yeah. I'll be interested to see whether the teams that do have, like Essendon, and we're going to discuss them, uh, like St Kilda, and they've, through their own, not through their own choice, have already lost a couple of their tall forwards. I think we've already seen Geelong experiment to agree with the smaller forward line to see whether those ones that seem wedded to two or three actually try the one or the one and a half tall forwards. Yeah. So I've spent the week thinking, well, maybe St Kilda should actually do, do what, St. Yep. what Richmond did. Do they have the stocks to be able to do that? Well, they might be forced to now as... Membry's still injured. Josh Bruce out for six to eight. We're at weeks. McCartan's not revolt, so I think you sort of have to balance that. They've brought Hickey in, though, haven't they? And so yeah. uh, Marshall will play forward. It's a hard thing to go through the McCartan. whole summer, isn't it, as planning to play one way and then getting three rounds in and whether you go, actually, this is not going to work. It's or a hard sell. To hold out, hold it's out a hard sell to your team. Yep. How much does it hurt your credibility as a coach, too, to do that with the players? Uh, I don't think... Well, if it... I mean, wins are a remedy for everything. But if you actually see better results, mm. uh, I think it shows that the coach is not the stubborn, <laughs> you know, yeah. archetype coach we see. So uh, even right in this day and age, right now, 
the stakes yeah. go up though, don't they, Doom? So if you, you do you do change tact and you you have a you bring in a different philosophy and then and then you know coaches they look a they look a, a lot further ahead than what we give them credit for. So then if you you do change it and it doesn't work, that that does sort of put you in a bit of a corner. And I've heard we've heard stories before of coaches that sort of change every two weeks and you lose the players very quickly with that. But have you ever had without naming names, have you ever had elements of that Bob or seeing that happen where coaches have kind of lost confidence in themselves uh, how you should be playing or do they remain steadfast generally for, to their thoughts? No, not 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 drastic change. No, if anything, kind of the other way of when, when you're losing games after game after game after game and think we, we really should be kind of changing it up here and, and, and then you don't and, you, and things are sort of peter out. So there's, you can, that's the, that's the, that's the trick with with coaching, and I don't claim to be one myself. Is when to when to change and when to hold the line. When will you start coaching, but <laughs> I've got to take over some junior coaching first, or maybe some cricket coaching. You didn't any coach down there at Heather Hill? <laughs> yes. So yeah, I, I need it. Essendon have sort of spent the frame of the week in in this frame of conversation. So John Warsfold uh, in his weekly press conference, this is what he had to say about the Don's form. Maybe we could have won the same number of games this year if we just stuck with what we were doing last year and still been the 12th best defensive team and uh, an exciting team and finish eighth again. Or we can challenge ourselves that we've got to adjust and get better and become a great team, and that's what we're working towards. Interesting comments there, Dan. I mean, uh... They do cough up. They, they score, but they cough it up at the other end, and there's a balance between the two. Most of the great coaches will tell you... I mean, the great teams have scoring potential. And score. But most of the great coaches, their mantra is fix up the defence first and then you can work on how you're going to score. They were shocking last week, though, weren't they? They were appalling. Yes. <laughs> well, I admit he said it was their worst performance. Yeah, they weren't good. Under, yeah. under him, and basically. Worse what, than never that. had a bad one, had they? Yeah, of course. <laughs> so, but I mean, I'm just saying that. So was that, just, was that a, an outlier? Was that just a one-off? Yeah. So or? the question out of that is, what are they trying to change to? Mm. Because the early indications were that they were trying to set up in the same manner that they did, and then they were going to try to be defensively more sound. But that, that's not really how they... They still set up with Hooker up front, so they had the three tall yeah. forwards, which denies you the capacity to really swarm and keep the ball in. Is uh, When he said that, I thought, well, there, there's not really any evidence yet of what you're trying to change to. I thought bringing in Saad was a real expression that they wanted to get the ball quickly down the field, which means they wanted to score more. And, and suggested they that. could be vulnerable yeah. going the other way again. So I didn't see it that they were thinking, right, we're going to change the way we play. We're going to defend better. If, you, if you're thinking that, don't don't go out and get yeah. Adam Saad because he's an express player out of the back line and you match him up with Connor... McKenna, well done. <laughs> and he he's an express player out of the back line as well. You've got a couple of lockdowns and you've got a few kickers. So the back line is balanced all right. They just cough up too much score. Yeah. So their round one win was vintage 2017. Mm. They were defensively unstound. They got scored against in a big patch and then they grabbed the momentum and just rushed and, and they over rode the top. Yeah. 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 So they were sort of everything that we knew that they had been. And even in the JLT, I mean, they got smashed, didn't they, by Richmond? Yeah, and, and then Geelong, they sort of beat them with that same burst, yeah. didn't they? And I, I think also, boys, that the, the philosophy around the three forwards, we, you know, we can argue the toss on that about what they should do for the majority of their games, but last week, I mean, the Bulldogs, the Bulldogs have been really stretched by tall, by tall forward lines. So I can, I can understand them wanting to stretch the Bulldogs last week. It didn't work out for whatever reason, but 
whether they change that this week. It might not be a flip-flop situation. Can I can I ask Rob a question about, and it's almost backtracking a little bit, just for 30 seconds. Do you reckon Adelaide undervalued Lions, who is now at the Suns? Oh, 100%. 100%. He, he, he's a solid... He's a week-in, week-out accumulator, Lions, and he, it's not just... It, it's not just numbers that he racks up. He, he makes he makes players around him better. He's kind of unassuming, but that's one. That how good is he? How, how good do his opponent? I mean, we all say, oh yeah, you know, underrated, blah blah blah, and that's a, that's an overrated <laughs> statement. You calling people underrated, but how good is he in the eyes of his opponents? Well, every time I've seen him up close, he's, he's one of those guys. He just some guys just have a knack, have a knack for finding the ball. Some guys rack up big numbers, and do they really hurt us? Not so much, and sides aren't aren't too aren't too worried about whether they get their hands on the ball. But Lions, Lions is creative, and he he's got good nuance to his game. He's got thought in the way he uses the ball, and he and he brings other players into the game. So that that's one that could cause them some embarrassment. Steve Hawking's willingness to fix problems. The Perth fence been uh, fixed in a week, apparently. He's such a breath of fresh air. Instead of either denying that stuff is going on. <laughs> Uh, or going one day, one day. So the things he did, so he's put perspex in front of the LED in Perth. So it doesn't matter sort of what the cause is, but the effect can't be a player with 14 stitches in his hand and his arm for running in the fence that, and another it? with yeah. three. Is you can't just go, that's the price of doing business. That that would be nonsense. So perspex over the front of it, and the score review, which had maybe its its worst weekend, its most diabolical weekend, is he called the score reviewers together, and they spoke about stop intervening your job is to troubleshoot not to intervene and what they're doing is they're they're digging down and searching and taking a minute and a half to do so in some instances when the job is look at it go has the umpire made a mistake that's the only question you're not looking for a truth you're not looking for forensic evidence what you're looking for is to answer the question has the umpire made a mistake yeah and as soon as the answer to that is no that's it it ends there don't intervene so it's a change in the way of doing business at the AFL and the game is so much better off for it. There are uh, mistakes I, across the board every weekend and they make their share. Couldn't agree more with you. Last week we, we almost saw football's equivalent of searching for the magic bullet. It, it just wasn't there. you know. And the rest... I saw the one here. The whole stadium could see it and yet the <laughs> review came back. Oh. It was, that was, that was weirdish. No, it's as weird as we've ever seen. Pushing the wrong button really isn't part of it, is it? <laughs> the story on the front page of today's Herald Sun concerning Fremantle. It's headlined, Freo in gun over harass allegations. And this is a story which has been the, the whisper of the summer that a, a former young employee of the club came forward in the Me Too movement, which came all around the world and made an allegation against a senior club official over an incident in a bar some years earlier and how it had affected her and how she ended up leaving the club. And it was thought to be sort of the major test of the AFL's new Respect and Responsibility program and how it would come forward. And the allegation out of today's story is that in a very old-school way, she was paid off. Is There was essentially a, a hush arrangement put in place that she's still bound by. Is It's naive to think that Me Too wouldn't touch footy in some way, I think the AFL needs to be absolutely certain that this hasn't happened, that it, they haven't dealt. This hasn't been dealt with in the way that it would have been dealt with 
in the 80s and that they're able to live their own aspirations, their own community standards and their own policy, which is in place. I think it's incumbent on the AFL to give a clear picture at some point to understand it themselves and then to give a clear community picture as to what's happened. But we don't have clarity no, on this issue. absolutely we don't. And that's the first time it's had a public airing in that exclusive report in the Herald Sun. And it has raised a whole set of questions that uh, the AFL needs to be... It needs to be really sound in this space because Me Too has intervened in in law, in entertainment. In, it will touch every walk of life uh, mm. as it unfolds. And footy needs to make sure that it's it's mature and set up to deal with it. It's difficult to talk about, isn't it? When we don't, when we don't know any of the details really but I think what 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 we can get a sense of if in this new era that you've alluded to there Jared is this with the the media with it being on the front page it now won't go away until there's until there's more clarity around around exactly what's happened yeah I'm this is a very dicey area but I, and I am all for the betterment in terms of circumstances for women across the board to continue on with their life the way they are entitled to and the likes, I just dislike this Me Too movement. It's it's too open-ended. Well, Port Adelaide have had their own issue to deal with this week too, Jared, haven't they, with Sam Powell Pepper? This is what Ken Hinckley had to say about that incident. I know Sam's uh, rightly upset, but he um, he should own that. That was um, some of his, um, obviously, all his work and his decision-making which uh, led him to be in this situation. Sam needs to learn to work with what we do, and we represent our community, and we represent our community in a proud way, and what Sam did the other night wasn't a proud way. So where's that at, Jared? He's missing this weekend. Yes, the second um, shoe hasn't dropped yet. As the AFL investigation, so the quick sequence of events is late night or early morning incident on Sunday morning, uh, Sam Palpepper had broken curfew when he was drunk. So the club was able to deal with that it, with its leadership group. That's a one-week suspension. The complaint came to the club on Sunday night. The woman ended up going to the media on Monday uh, to Channel 7 in Adelaide. Uh, it then got referred to the AFL to investigate. There's no police involvement in this, so that's sort of the one kicker which has to be restated over and over. So rather unusually, it's been dealt with completely in a football context. Uh, and once the AFL's investigation is finished, that's when we'll learn whether there's any further action against Power Pepper. Why did a member of the public complain? Uh, because she felt she'd been poorly, uh, uh, offensively treated by an AFL player. The, the, the chain was really interesting, that it would be a complaint to the club rather than a complaint to the police. Mm. Uh, and we'll have to wait till we know all the facts to sort of be able to measure that up. But Th- Even that's murky. Yeah, but yeah. sort of... a. a a 2am incident I don't know if he's broken in curfew. a nightclub yeah. is is that the domain of a footy club in the AFL? That, that's I, I found that a bit confounding during the week. Yeah, well, well, we, we could. Yeah, it's a whole new show. Two two hours yeah. somewhere along the line, we talk about that. I'm not sure about the wisdom of the um, the, the curfew. <laughs> I don't know, having having lived through a few curfews at the Bulldogs over my time. I'm Have not you heard sure. that late, 2 a.m.? <laughs> now, that's a, that's a pretty generous one, but I just... I, as soon as you hear the word curfew, you you do kind of corner yourselves into making making hard calls on, on players who make, make errors in judgment. All right, well, I went through an entire career, Hutto. Did not have one curfew. <laughs> what a surprise. Not one. <laughs> you, you wouldn't know what the word curfew means, Dan. That's a type of bird, isn't it? Uh, GWS and Frio at 
the University of New South Wales Canberra Oval, as it's now known. A late change, Ed Langdon is out uh, ill. He's been replaced by Darcy Tucker. No late change for the Giants. So uh, one late change. Although you wouldn't think that is a massively significant one. But uh, interesting game that the Giants continue to lose players. Josh Kelly, the latest to be out injured. Well, and Freo have certainly found some form that many didn't expect at the start of the year. So we'll see how that one goes. This is crunch time for Honda. Honda's 2017 run out is now on. Visit honda.com.au slash offers. Benny Gale will join us next when we return here at the MCG. Award-winning crunch time for Honda's 2017 run-out. Half past 12, welcome back. This is crunch time right around Australia for Honda. Honda's 2017 run-out is now on. Visit honda.com.au slash offers. Jerry Waitley, Anthony Hudson, Bob Murphy, Dermot Burton and Brendan Gale, the CEO of the Richmond Tigers, who has brought terrible weather to the MCG today, Brendan. Good afternoon to you. Hello, good to be with Just a bit of overcast, a bit of breeze, mate. That's all it is. Great day for football. Well, it's a great time in footy at the moment. Um, 90,000 members. It's quite an extraordinary achievement. It is. Yeah, it is. And, and, um, and of course, credit should go to our to our fans who, who become members, who make that commitment and, and, and sacrifice, which ultimately sustains the club. And But it's been building. It's something really focused on back in 2010, acknowledging we did have a, a large latent um, support base. We knew that. And we knew they'd become disengaged from the club for for various reasons, well, particularly probably form. And uh, and so we just set about really sort of bringing them into the heart of the club and, and, and giving them the real sense of involvement and taking them on the journey. And and they've and so last year we had uh, you know, still about 75, 76,000 and, and clearly the the sugar hit of a premiership doesn't hurt. Can any club do it or do you need to have the six... Obviously, to the degree is going to change how many latent supporters there are, but can any club essentially do what you've done or do you need to really have sustained success um well i guess i mean we'd become more competitive as a footy team and we're getting in finals and you know, obviously not getting far so i think you need to have some on-field success but i mean all the you know the research we get every year and we you know the afl does a, a fantastic piece of research every year which which tells us that that on-field performance is less important as a driver of satisfaction than you might think it's more about it's more about um my seats and the affordability and, and what they look like and and, um, and and it's about the feeling of involvement that I have in my club and that's part of how you communicate and how accessible the players are and open and, and, and the trust and all those sorts of things. So um, our support base, funnily enough, is in, our, you know, in the latest AFL surveys, our, our broad Richmond tribe isn't as big as what people think, but we convert them. They become, they buy in, they invest in the club and that's that's something that we're really appreciative of. What does it do to your financial clout to have 90,000 who are prepared to pay up plus whatever you are able to get out of the, the merchandise bonanza of a premiership? Yeah, look, at clearly, it, it, but really it's it, it, it's your biggest outside of your, your, your annual AFL distribution as a shareholder. It's your, it's your biggest single line item of revenue. So, But it's more than just money. It's just that emotional attachment. It's the... It's the strength that gives you. It, um, you know, people really, the Tigers really care about their footy club. Where, where do you sit then, incidentally, do you, on that latent level of support then? Do you uh, well, I think based, you know, there's an AFL um, Nielsen poll survey they did, um, and I think the biggest supported club in Australia is Sydney. Um, and that's by virtue of being, yeah. you know, well, up until recently, a one-team one market. Would be until the Giants. Yeah, indeed. Some of those well, that's true, but. 
um, and that's very relevant. But um, I think we'd have. Um, I think we're about fifth or sixth. Yeah. Uh, did Did you just to change topics a fraction? Did you set the framework for the season ahead and how the club? was going to handle winning the premiership. Obviously, Dimmer would have set that for the footy department with Barmy. But did you set? Did you feel a need to say, right, well, this is how we're going to deal with the premiership to make sure that we don't drop away in any area, particularly in the footy area? But So did you feel you a need to set some sort of framework? Uh, not really. No, I think from the, from the footy point of view, that's really, you know, the coach and the head of football and, you know, they, te- they take the temperature and they're the ones who, I guess, have seen the red flags before and have experienced... You know, what a sustained successful environment looks like so but more more of a um you know, from an organizational point of view i mean you know you, you even see that it's caught up in our, in our tagline the hunters on just to stay you know humble and hungry um you know we won a premiership that's fantastic it's the first in a long time this is an extremely competitive industry um and you know we never stop growing and improving and learning and 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 we're damn hungry. You know, we're hungry. We, we're, a, you know, we're a hungry club footy. It's been a while since we've had a feed, you know, so, so we want to have a few more. Um, that's, that's the plan, I think, You mate. can eat. Too. Yeah. Mm. How did you fare in the great government handout of the past 48 hours? Not real hours? world, Jerry. No, no, no. So Punt Road missed out. Mm. Is that, that's right? Mm. Were you disappointed? Yeah, I was. What, what, were yeah. you, what did you hoped for? Look, we've got a, we've got a, we've got a project... Um, set a plan for Punt Road in the vicinity of you know, 50, 60 million dollars, give or take. Then that that that, um, that involves extending our training administration, particularly for women. Um, uh, we have we have to reimagine um, the the facility for that. So for our VFL women and, and our AFL women when they come online, um, you know, got a lot of junior programs. You know, we obviously play VFL as well. So for 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 training administration for for the elite level, but also for that second tier level football, but also for our really broad and deep range of community programs, like you know, the work in the indigenous spaces, globally recognised. As I speak, we have a delegation of the United Nations presenting, yeah. and these are really serious programs. They're part of who we are as a club, and, and it provides enormous benefit to the community. And and uh, we thought. Because of those reasons, we had a compelling case. Also, that the proximity, you know, yep. the sporting infrastructure, the accessibility of the station, and um, might that have hurt you in the end? Do you have any explanation as why you didn't get it? Well, no, 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 we don't, Anthony. <laughs> so <laughs> so, so there's a bit call? of there's a bit of a, a, a look. At the end of the day, I should say we're extremely grateful for the government's investment in our code. Um, it's significant. Um, and you know the AFL is, is a significant financial, cultural institution in this state that delivers so much, and it's only right the government should recognise that and be thankful for it. But but look, whilst we're disappointed, there's discussions going on back and forward. We're seeking clarity, understanding, and there'll be ongoing discussions, and hopefully get to a position where we um, we can be comfortable with. Yeah, but it's hard to imagine there's any more money, as given that money went to Princess Park and Witten Oval and security got money at Moorabbin. Like, if you didn't get it in this, you couldn't be that optimistic that you're going to be able to get I the money to f- do that. I think that's a fair assumption. Yeah. yeah. Does, yes. does that leave you... Is that checkmate? I mean... Oh, well, oh, that's something we're working through. You know, we're just seeking clarity on, on those sorts of issues and... Um, I think these commitments were guaranteed budgeted commitments, and um, and um, and so they're ironclad in that respect. So no, it's look, we're, we're, it's not particularly encouraging, um, but it is what it is, and we've got to find a way to work around it. And you know, our facilities um, are, are barely adequate now, um, 
but we just got to make do and then continue planning for the future. Just to step back a little bit, you talked about the marketing and the portrayal of the club, and the, you said that we're sending the banners around the ground here on the on the uh, illuminated sideboards, you know. And you mentioned it, um, the hunt is on. You know, keep that feeling. How much collaboration goes between the football department and the marketing department? Because I've seen clubs where the marketing department comes out with some sort of statement, the club football department will turn around and go, Look what's what cooking. the hell did you say yeah. that? No, a fair degree, Dan. A fair degree. I mean, it's on, on, on these sorts of, um, you know, the way you position your club to the market, there needs to be a lot of alignment. I mean, you, uh, you know, marketing in... You know, a brand, a brand is a promise on offer that you want to try and keep an honour in the market. So if you look at, yeah, you know, the way we play football, you know, forward pressure, you know, we get in after them. You know, we round them up and get after them. That's the way our boys want to play. So, you know, that word of itself is consistent with our footy department and, um, and so they're comfortable with it. The philosophy, too, of, of, of boards, you have a football coaching department and some philosophies are you have to be fresh once every second or third year. You guys have just... You, you, they did an amazing job last year. That will stay the same until... Period, until somebody falls over somewhere down the line. In the, or, or what is the philosophy of it's a, it's a really interesting question. You know, I was having a great chat with, with uh, Barmy about it the other day, you know, and, uh, and, um, and you know, when, when... I mean, you almost... Do you start making change? Because the reality is, teams change you know, from year to year. I mean, you'd, you'd know that. So, do you do you have to start making changes ahead of the curve? You know, before someone falls over. Do you know, these are the sorts of things that they're they're going through, and and I guess um, you know, complicating that. I shouldn't say complicating. It. Fortunately, we've got a VFL team and a program that's you've got. You know, they're a huge part of our success last year. Um, and they're you know playing well. We've got really good quality depth, and you know, we've got a lot of options. So, um, you know, a guy like Jack Higgins plays his first game yeah. last week and has a real impact, and he's out. Yeah. So do, do, uh, I know it's you. You'd be guarded against speaking about your board. Uh, they employ us. They're Premiership board members. <laughs> yes. Are they proactive to the turn that curve you talk about, or will will they see the course? Oh, I think they'll be really, you know, a board would tend to rely on the assessments and, and the counsel of, of people like Neil Baum and, and Damien. And, um, you know, I, th- I think, you know, if you look at our list and you look at the age profi- profile of our list, we're pretty, we're, we're pretty young. Mm. We're, we're pretty pretty young. So we would think that there's still some organic improvement some of those players. You know, our best players are still in their prime, and but nothing's guaranteed. Bob? Brendan, Brendan, Bob here. Hey, Bob. How are you, mate? Good. Nice to talk to you. Um, how much how much credit do you give to to Trent Cochin and the and the other player leaders with with the ferocity that the the boys have started the year? Because there's from from afar there's been not one sign of of complacency. How much is that Trent and the boys? Oh, I think it's I think it's huge. I mean, I think we're lucky, Bob, because you know three formal leaders in um, in Cochin, Rance, and Revolt they're just such fierce competitors. You know, they they just compete almost unconditionally and. Uh, and so that does, yeah, that does model the standard for for other players. And you now the point I touched on before, there's, you know, we've got four or five players who had legitimate claims on playing a grand final last year and and missed out. And so, you know, you get that pressure from below, Bob. And um, and uh, so, um, yeah. But I think the on-field leadership's been very, very important. No doubt about that. Has there been any of those players knock on your door this morning, Brendan, with their with their 
with their hat in hand. There's a report, Sam Sam Landsberger reported in the paper today that the Tigers have got a war chest for the for the Tom Lynch bid and that that might have surprised a few players that there was all this room in the cap. <laughs> Has there been any tin rattling from the playing group this morning? No, I, haven't, I haven't read that article actually. Uh, I'd better go and have a look at it. Hasn't no. taken long for Bob to start quoting uh, articles out of the paper, no, has no, it? Uh, it's it? good. Wow. It's easier um, to quote them than to write them. No, uh, look, you know, part of the challenge of uh, managing a list is making sure your players are well rewarded for what they, what they give to the club and deliver it. I think we do that as well, but you do it in a way so as an opportunities do arise, you want to give yourself every chance. And do you want Tom? Um, oh, mate, you know what? I, after having the year I did last year with uh, with Dustin, I think it's very unedifying to be commenting on other players and their prospects. So, as far as I'm concerned, he's a Gold Coast player, and he's so that's a yes. Good young man. Have you got a million plus dollars for a potential player in the in the free agency market? All I'd say, Jerry, is we do have the flexibility to. To, you know, if we think there's a player who, who meets our needs and, and wants to come and, and make a contribution to our club, we could have a discussion. Thanks for joining us today, Brennan. Good luck today. Another another victory coming up for you in the hunt? Uh, well, I hope so. Um, but, gee, they're playing well, Brisbane. And, um, you know, their stoppage work and clearance work's been really strong a day like today. It uh, won't hurt, so... Yes. Talk it down. <laughs> Bring those expectations <laughs> down. Brendan Gale, CEO of the Tigers, joining us here in the box on Crunch Time. No changes either for the Tigers or the Lions. Up next, David Kosh. On 11.16 SEM, the award-winning Crunch Time for Honda's 2017 run-out. It's pouring rain here at the MCG. You act like you've never seen it before, Jared. Richmond and the Brisbane Lions are going to slosh it out this afternoon, by the way. It's uh, hammering down at the moment. Yesterday, or Thursday night really, was a bonanza for Victorian clubs with the state government coming to the party on a whole range of funding issues. The AFL got the money it wanted to redevelop Etihad Stadium. The lever that was used was to commit the grand final to the MCG for a further 20 years. So 40 years into the future, it is locked stock and barrel to this ground. Felt like outside the borders. I wonder if it looked like the old VFL with the way all of this went down. David Kosh is the chairman of Port Adelaide. Uh, David, welcome to Crunch Time. Uh, go. Good afternoon, gentlemen. Thank you for having me. Were there echoes of the old world in those announcements that came down, do you think? Uh, look, uh, as you know, I've been, uh, like a lot of the interstate presidents, constantly remind the AFL, and particularly Victorian clubs, that there's no B in AFL anymore. Um, but I think it was such a good deal, and we, I'd been sort of kept in the loop for sort of the week leading up to uh, up to the announcement to try and get some level playing field for the interstate clubs on the MCG. We achieved that. It's a great deal for the code. My old man always used to say there's only one thing more important than your club and that's the code. And I think it sets AFL up for another generation with the broadcast deal, the redevelopment of Etihad um, really does put us on a solid footing in a in a changing environment in terms of broadcast rights going into the future. So it's a great deal for the code. And I think for interstate clubs, we've levelled that playing field to get access to the MCG. So it doesn't seem as though, if we're fortunate enough to make the grand final against, a, for example, a Victorian club, a tenant club of the MCG, that it would be a home ground advantage. And, and that's always been my, my beef to it. But if you're going to have it at the MCG... 
then interstate clubs have got to play more games and get more access to it, and, and we achieve that. So if the grand final, its long-term future, was up for discussion, should there have been a, a broader thought given to whether it should be locked to the MCG or whether at okay. some time in the future a grand final might be staged Super Bowl style, not by competing teams at the new stadium right. in Perth or at the redeveloped Adelaide Oval? Yeah. Um, the economics just don't add up. For it to be, for example, a break-even with the MCG at the Adelaide Oval, remember, it would be a lower capacity, so less people would be able to get tickets to experience uh, uh, an AFL grand final. Would it needed a state government to kick in something like $40 million just to break-even financially without um, any of the, of the, the leveraging of, of tickets to bring it up to a level playing field? So... And um, the, the financial arrangement was just so attractive that as a league, I think we had to accept it. And virtually all of the interstate club presidents agree with that. And, um, and frankly, when you, when you talk to your playing group, um, there is a bit of magic about the MCG. They want to play grand finals on the MCG. In terms of fans, it would always be great to have it in your in your capital city, but if it was a Super Bowl-type arrangement, would Crows or, or Port Adelaide fans go to a, a Brisbane Gold Coast grand final at the Adelaide Oval? Well, no, I'm not, not sure they'd see, see much attraction in that. I, I, I think it's work, worked out for everyone, and most of the interstate presidents do take a big picture view on what's good for the game going forward. So um, we're not as pro-girl as maybe some of our Victorian counterparts. <laughs> Turn it up. I, I did see... That was said tongue-in-cheek. I did see that we did do you a great favour, though, because we, we actually are going to put in a rail link to the airport. That'll help you out somewhat. <laughs> uh, no, but, uh, Dermy, we're, we're a... We're a little working-class club from uh, Port Adelaide. We're, we're more a Greyhound bus type of uh, club than, you know, this flash planer airports uh, or train stuff. Whose hands right now... So to your issue of the week, uh, David, uh, around Sam Powell Pepper, whose hands yeah. is the investigation in, in this uh, the stage? Yep. The AFL in Integrity uh, Group. We're just waiting on them. We've made our decision we're, from a club point of view and a club sanction... I believe these sorts of things have got to be done quickly and decisively. We've done that. Um, it's up to the AFL, uh, um, AFL's integrity unit to go through it. We've given them all the information. We've given them the nightclub tapes. Um, we're satisfied with, um, you know, there's, there's no doubting and absolutely no excuse that, that Sam was a buffet. Um, he broke um, club rules and he's been sanctioned for that, and the leadership group are very harsh on it. Um, but when people start using terminology in the media, uh, like uh, sexual assault, that, that increases the attention and the focus from us and the AFL enormously, because that, like every um, level-headed Australian, that is just abhorrent. And if that's the case, then the, the full force of penalties will be brought down. If it's not the case, 
then you uh, there has got to be some some question uh, questions raised on why that terminology was used in the first place. Do and you believe it not to be the case, David? Um, I'm I'm um, uh, and not going to uh, preempt the AFL integrity units. Uh, judgments on this. Um, all I'm saying is that if it's not the case, then we'll be having an ongoing investigation on why that terminology was used. If there's further because action to be very taken, serious. Yeah. If there's further action to be taken, does it get taken by the AFL or does it get referred back to the club to take any um, further action? It will be ta- taken by the AFL in consultation with us, and um, depending on the outcome of the the integrity unit, and you know, it's it's got to be. Um, in terms of values above everything else. Um, it's got to be completely independent, and we acknowledge that and support that. Um, but if, if it is more serious than we expect, then we will impose further, further uh, sanctions um, from a club point of view as well. We'll see how it pans out. Good on you, David. Thanks for your time. All right. Thanks, gents. Have a good afternoon. Well, they've made a good start to the year on the field, haven't they? They're the only unbeaten team. Uh, quickly to today's games in basically in a word. But who wins up in Canberra there, Bob? Oh, I think GWS will be too good in Canberra up here today. Although Freeman will come in with some good momentum. it be, be hard-pressed to pick against the Giants today. Any danger for the Tigers here, Derm, at the G against Brisbane? Danger, but they'll get their job done. Uh Western Bulldogs in Sydney. How many will Buddy kick? Uh, well, who, who, who would you play on him, Bob? On Bud. Uh, you know what? I, I would almost try the idea of having two players sort of alternate on him because I don't, no, one, no one from the Bulldogs could go with him athletically, but I'd have Easton Wood play on him when he's inside 50 and then and then maybe hand him over to one of the smaller what, smaller defenders when he's up the ground. How many will he kick, Jared? He's minimum seven. Minimum seven. In the way that <laughs> it's going to be set up. Can't wait for that. Uh, tomorrow, Essendon and Port Adelaide. Derm, Essendon Port. and Port. Port Adelaide. Hawthorne and Melbourne, Bob? Uh, Hawthorne. Ooh. Geelong will beat St Kilda, won't they, Jared? Won't <laughs> he, they? He is hoping, not <laughs> All right, we're just about out of time. Stay with us. Thanks for being... Great to have you, Derm, after a month. It's great to have you as our regular... On, our special guest today. You can't help it snipe, can you? No, I can't. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply.